0: This is That's in the
1: That's in the Bible, episode 68. What kind of example are you?
2: The troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is that there.
1: Hello and welcome back to "That's in the Bible." You've tuned into a show that's all about the Bible. We take a look at different topics. Some of these topics, uh, things you might not have even thought about before. Ironically, I think the the one that still uh, holds the the um, what's the word? Holds record. the holds the record. Thank you. <laughs> holds the record for the most hits is <laughs> "Do Angels Have Wings?" And I know you're thinking, sure, but you should check that podcast out before you uh, make a decision on on yes or no. But anyway, we have a full house here today. We've got Matthew up in the Great Arctic. How are you doing, Matt?
3: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I I think people are wondering, does Pastor Steve have wings?
1: (laughs) We'll find out. Pastor Steve, do you in fact have wings?
0: Last I checked, no.
1: Okay. So not angelic. Not yet. Uh, All right. And uh, Pastor Strobel.
4: Do I have wings?
1: No. No, does Steve have wings?
4: No on that too.
1: Thanks
0: for that support, brother.
1: (laughs) No Halo, no wings, neither one. No. All right. Well, good to have, good to have everybody here today. And um, episode sixty-eight. And I think you know we're on a roll here. We've we've gotten more than a few here for this year already. So we're we're certainly on the uh, the right path again. Amen. So welcome everybody in. Before we get started, uh, is there anything you guys wanted to say or talk about before we get going?
4: Uh, I would like to just um, like to say and really ask for prayer. Just a little testimony of a good pastor friend of ours, of, of mine, and um, Brother Steve's acquaintance um, suddenly passed away at the young age of 44 uh, just mm-hmm. about just under two weeks ago. Uh, pastor mm-hmm. Phil Huber, Walker Bible Baptist Church. I'd like to ask you to pray for their church. They had a memorial service on Saturday, set up a tent outside the church, uh, seated 600, and that was packed and also had overflow on the inside. And It was a real a blessing to see all the people that showed up, showed up and pastors and friends. And um, Pastor Phil is just a, a real good guy, a good pastor, a good Christian, a good family man. Amen. Had a chance to be with him and his church over um, Valentine's uh, time. Did a couple's banquet with him this year earlier and just had a great time of fellowship and talking. And um, we're going to miss him sorely and pray for Pastor Russo, the assistant pastor, and uh, the church as they uh, try to carry on from here. And uh, of course, his wife, mm-hmm. Pastor Phil's wife, and uh, he has four children. We'd really appreciate your prayers for them. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see if anything happening there in in Buffalo.
0: Well, uh, I was with uh, Pastor Strobel. We went to the, the uh, uh, memorial there, and and uh, just the number of people that were there, um, you know, it was really uh, encouraging, um, sad and heartbreaking. You know, with with the way he passed away and just so suddenly, and and then uh, the aftermath. You know, just with the family and and so forth. So. Um, it was good to see some, other, you know, some people from out of town that we haven't seen in a while. Um, but, uh, it's been a blessing just, uh, to, to be able to work and serve the Lord and, and, uh, you know, we've got the church that we've been working in for a number of years now and, and, uh, we're seeing some growth, uh, not a lot, but we're seeing some growth, which is encouraging. And, uh, so we just keep plugging along and, and, uh, keep preaching the word, keep teaching and, and, uh. Just let the Lord uh, build the churches He sees fit, and we're just trying to be faithful and really trying to get out of the way and let Him do do what He can here uh, in the midst of, of, of Buffalo. So, Amen. That's what we're doing.
1: Amen. Thanks, Steve. And Matt, how are things up in the Arctic?
3: Well, we're doing good. We uh, <clears throat> I thought we were getting warmer. We were up in the 30s, and uh, last couple of days we had a real high winds and got down to zero and uh, more snow drifts, and <laughs> so I tell everybody, this is the uh, the land of just uh, forever winter. <laughs> and uh, but it's going. Uh, they're still whaling. We had a crew uh, get a whale yesterday, but the problem is they need enough boats to be able to bring a whale ashore. And uh, I guess the waves got real high, um, a couple stories high, and so they had to stop. And um, but uh, we we were praying for the safety of all the crews. They're okay. So. I believe they have one more strike. They can get try and get one more whale. Um, so everybody's praying for that. And again, that's how a lot of people here eat is uh, being able to get whale and beluga and um, seals and things like that, and hunting caribou. But uh, we're doing good. We're uh, we're going to be real real busy. I mean, we're busy now, but we're going to be real busy in the in the summertime. We're gonna kind of trail another um, path here. We're gonna. I should say, trailblaze another path here that, that hasn't been done before in the North Slope, which is we're going to start our own, Lord willing, uh, summer camp, teen summer camp here. And, and uh, we sh- we used to have a missionary pilot that used to come out here get our kids and, and bring them uh, to Fairbanks to a teen summer camp there, but uh, he no longer is able to do it, so it's too expensive to send any of our, any of our teens to summer camps. So we just prayed about it. Uh, me and uh, Brother Serino, that's here as well, that I work with, and. Uh, the Lord led us to, uh, start a team camp here. So we would just really ask for prayer for that. Uh, we took by snow machine, it's about 15 miles away. So we took it by snow machine, uh, a lot of the lumber to start building the, uh, foundation uh, for the building. We've got a 24 foot, uh, length of a tent, uh, to be able to meet in and things like that. So if you could pray about that, that'll be either in the end of July or beginning of August, we'll have that team camp.
1: Amen. I'll see if I can't put up a. Uh, I know you sent me a, a picture of the uh, hauling that lumber there on the back of that snowmobile, and uh, it's a. Yeah. It really is a whole different lifestyle than, you know, what we're uh, yeah. we're used to here. It's pretty mm-hmm. neat though, pretty exciting. And you guys are gonna you're gonna build that yourselves.
3: Yeah, right now we're just gonna build the foundation because the uh, ground there is just not level at all, and uh, there's top everywhere. So to be able to put the tent down for right now, we got to build just a floor and uh, we'll put the tent on there. The goal is in the next few years uh, to build two 12 by 12 uh, cabins, one for the boys, one for the girls, so we can have an overnight camp. And then we're going to eventually build and enclose that uh, 24 by, I can't remember what we were talking about it's going to be, but uh, so it's a lot of building, a lot of of course expenses and uh, safety issues too. So um, and, but the goal is, I've talked to the other missionaries out here in the North Slope, and we don't want it just to be about the teenagers. We want it to be, you know, know—we're all, all of us here, the missionaries, we're really secluded from everybody else, only accessible by bush pilot plane. So mm-hmm. it's been my goal that we're able to get Chad Burnick and uh, the other Daryl Serino uh, and, um, you know, all the other missionaries that are in this area to be able to come and uh, spend that time together, uh, you know, at least once a year. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be good.
1: Sounds good. <laughs> It's a whole different world, um, and I know last time we on the podcast we um, we talked about different. Uh, we actually had like a recommendation or a pick that each of us made, and and uh, I think it went well. And this time we're going to do the a similar thing, and uh, but instead we're going to take a look at perhaps what what Bible resources or what Bible computer programs or programs you're using to. Um, Check, you know, references and and different topics and things on your Bible. And I thought uh, we would start with Pastor Strobel. Pastor Strobel, what are you using?
4: I am still using an old Bible program, the first one that I got when I got a computer, which was uh, back when we were running Windows 3.11 for Workgroup.
1: That was a few few years ago, wasn't it?
4: (laughs) Yep. And it, it's, it's functional. It's, it's not cluttered with a whole bunch of other um, things, although there were add-on programs you could use with it. <clears throat> but this basic version is still available. Uh, it's, you don't have to purchase it now, Free for download. There's a, we'll have a link for it. Uh, but the, the limitations are, and this is what kind of began to worry me as, as the computer systems and operating systems got more and more complex and they started going to the 64-bit uh, systems – um, as you get up to the higher windows, you, it won't function on it. And so hmm. we got into, um, seven, you know, you ran into trouble except for, I got a windows seven when it came to that, that had an XP mode along with it. And then when you got into windows eight and then windows 10, you couldn't use it on there. So I, I say that, to say this, I am running windows 10, but I'm still able to use this, uh, the way I the, the way you have to do it is you you have to get a, a virtual machine or what I use is a free player called VMware Player. It takes a little bit of work to get it on there. but if you have you have to actually take an old Windows operating system, it's got to be legit and then once you, you you install that on your virtual machine and, and you have another operating system running within it and then you can install that program on there. So it's a lot of work. But um, for me, it was well worth it. And there may be somebody else out there that's still running a system that could use this. Or maybe you've used this in the past and you're wondering how you could get get it to work on your uh, current system. And and it can be done. Um, And if somebody does need help on that, you can send us a a message. and I'll I'll try to give you some more information.
1: Now, can I ask... Can I ask what mm-hmm. like what's the benefit to the computer program using something like just the Strong's concordance, the book itself, and looking those up?
4: One of the things that's beneficial for uh, there's a number of things, but but if you're doing uh, sermon preparation or word processing and and you want to put a verse in, you can uh, copy and paste it. You don't have to just write it all out, and um, and that makes it easy for something like that. Also it comes to some of the search parameters. If I'm looking up um, one word in in a, in a verse, and I know you know a couple words in it, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know you know uh, I don't know where the verse is. If I'm looking that up in the Strong's, I got to run through all those references right. until I find it. If using a computer program, I can type in the other words or another word that I know is in that verse, and that will narrow the search. Sometimes you know it'll get get you right on the first hit. Um, so search, search capabilities are really very functional with these things. Okay. What's the name of it again? Called QuickVerse. And the particular one that's available, I think I originally got QuickVerse 3, uh, is QuickVerse 4.0F. You'll okay. see that on the link when you get there.
1: All right. Sounds good. Steve, are you using uh, a similar program?
0: Um, similar. Uh, I'm probably using... Uh, uh, Bible program that's on steroids compared to what Brother, uh, Pastor Strobel has. I've got Sword Searcher uh, and it's by uh, Brandon Staggs and he's gone through several generations of, of his program He his uh, uh, Bible program here that he's he's added things to it and uh, put enhanced uh, study things not all, all of which I use uh, you have uh, various versions if you wanted to do comparison uh, you know, like uh, comparing uh, the NIV with the King James or uh, New King James and make comparisons. You can do those kind of things if you like. I really don't really waste my time with it that much. But uh, there are. Uh, it has the Strong's, and you can use the Strong's references and the numbering system that they have there. And And doing it on the computer, as Pastor Strobel's already said, makes it a whole lot easier. Um, there are things that you can just, uh, in this program, you can just put your – mouse over let's say a verse reference and it'll give you uh, a context of of let's say 3 or 4 verses before and 3 or 4 verses after so you can instead of having to click into that particular verse you can just put the mouse over the hmm. the, the reference and then you can read the context before and after
1: that's one nice. of
0: the things that it has in this also is it has treasury of scripture knowledge and if anybody's ever used the book of treasury of scripture Knowledge basically it's all numbers and letters and uh, obviously there are references and so forth and, and uh, with certain key words that it's using to uh, find other verses throughout the Bible that have connection with the verse that you're in so for example uh, I'm looking at treasury of scripture knowledge now I've got Romans 12 12 up and it has the word rejoicing and it'll have in blue which is a different color of the references Let's say it has Romans 5, uh, verses 2 and 3, and all I have to do is put my cursor over that. I can read that. Nice. I can read that reference. And then the next one is like Psalm uh, 16, verses 9 through 11, and then I can just put my cursor over that, and it pops it up. And it's got, uh, you know, the other words that are in there, like patient and continuing, and then it gives you some other things that you use. So it's it's really uh, a. a a user-friendly way of of utilizing some of the uh, our books that we would use on a regular basis uh, for sermon preparation or Bible study. He has Nave's Topical Bible on there. He has uh, all, all, uh, uh Chain uh, Thompson Chain Reference Bible up there. If you're familiar with that, it has. Uh, I think I mentioned Nave's Topical Bible. Uh, they have uh, several commentaries that are on there, uh, many of which I don't use. But he has. Uh, they have uh, uh, Larkins' uh, dispensational truth that's on there with the charts. We've got uh, they've got Schofield. They've got all. They've got some of Torrey's work up there. They've got uh, sermons by um, Spurgeon. Uh, just all kinds of things that you can use, uh, and and. You know, uh, some people might utilize more than I. They've got what they call a cloud system uh, where it enhances the words that seem to be more important in a verse than others. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you you use that type of thing, again, I really don't use that. I'm I'm doing similar to what Pastor Strobel's doing is when I'm uh, putting a, a message together. It's just easier to cut and paste and put the verse right there. Uh, it can put it in a larger font so that I can read it off of the paper as opposed to maybe trying to find it and read it in the scriptures and so forth. Uh, one of the other things it has on here is the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and you can uh, uh, go right there and, and uh, check that out. So it, it, it's combined a lot of resources that someone who is teaching and preaching the Word of God can can have right there on their on their laptop or or a uh, computer system uh and uh to be honest with you i very rarely use those books that i that i used to use uh, quite extensively uh i have it right here on the on the computer some people might say well i like to use the book but you know that's to every person their own taste uh but uh, for me it's 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 been a time saver and and uh been able to to utilize this program uh, to to benefit me in, in, in what I do on the, mm-hmm. on the uh, search and stuff. And, and I'm probably only scratching the surface. There's so many things uh, that are there. I don't even have the latest version of it yet. You There's one other thing on here that let me – I know I'm probably taking too long, but there's one other thing that you can do on this is you can make your own commentary. Wow. So it has a place where you can uh, name your own commentary, uh, uh, little tab on here and you can call it whatever you want you know Steve's scriptures or Steve's Bible or, or Steve's notes or whatever you want to call and then on each verse uh, it'll uh, you, you type in what you want to do you know what your comments are and so forth and then when you're looking up something it'll highlight uh, uh, ref- or, or reference material that has something to say on that verse and then when you have something on that verse, then it'll highlight that that you have something that you've written on there. You can add edit to it and all kinds of stuff like that. So that it's pretty. been a pretty handy tool for me. I've had it for a number of years and gotten kind of comfortable with it. And I know other people have mentioned, you know, programs that they're used, but it's, I think it's like Pastor Strobel. Once you got used to a certain thing, you get to know it and you don't want to yeah. move from it. So, <laughs> Amen.
1: So. Have you started working on your own commentary there?
0: Oh, I've got a few things in there. I mean, you know uh, with, with what I the time I have available, uh, sometimes it's just kind of labor intensive to start putting things. I've got it available. I just haven't put a lot of stuff in there. I still find it easier to write in my Bible than I mm-hmm. than to put it on the computer.
1: I was going to say, maybe we could, you know, for a small donation, make the uh, pastor's, <laughs> pastor's. Oh,
0: that's a long way away from there. <laughs>
1: Pastor Steve's Treasure of Scriptural Knowledge. Is, uh,
0: oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember when that started.
1: <laughs> the, uh, now, the book itself, the Treasure of Scriptural Knowledge, is that the one with the Roman numerals? Everything's Roman numerals?
0: Well, yep. pretty, pretty close. And you know, I felt you like, you look at it, you go like, what in the world am I looking at?
1: I got to you know brush up on my Roman numerology before I can even <laughs> get back to using it. It's like, what verse, what chapter is they referring to here?
4: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> it's my lack of education, apparently, is showing through, you know. It, really, if you look at the English language, where it is now to where it was, and mm-hmm. like in that Webster's Dictionary, the 1812, it's... Uh, Amazing. Was it 1812? 28. 28. 18 28. I'm thinking of the
4: 1812
2: overture. <laughs> <Sorry>.
1: <laughs> That's I good, hear. So, Matt, how about you? What's, are you using smoke signals up there in Alaska? or What do what we use? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Putting some sticks together. and <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I use my iPad uh, when, I, when I prepare my sermons and things like that. It's just easier to... Uh, take around and hold and uh, I've got just a keyboard that goes on my iPad and so what I use is just a Bible just a just a Bible program called Bible by Takarta. and uh, I believe you can get it for Android and and Apple from the Apple store and uh, it was free for me or either 99 cents I can't remember but uh, so it's just a Bible and uh, you can buy other commentaries if you want on it just like the sword searchers and stuff and they range from 99 cents to whatever but Pretty much all I use it for is a concordance, and um, you can get also the 1828 dictionary for free on the Apple Store, um, and download that and use that as well. So, but I just find you know that really helps out a lot. Just having it, having it like uh, Pastor Strobel uh, said, you could just kind of do the same thing, copy and paste, and put that passage into your notes, um, you know, for preaching and things like that. So it, it works well for me.
1: Awesome, and Steve. How much do you know? How much that Sword Searcher program is?
0: Oh, uh, I'd have to look. Uh, it's probably uh, probably about forty nine uh, okay. for that, uh, and then the updates you you probably get a little bit cheaper to update. I have an update. I think I'm in seven point one, and they're up to I think eight something like that. So there's, uh, you know, I've been contemplating on on updating it, but just haven't done it yet. So, but what but are they, it, you know, what are the, what are the updating? Oh, they add more things to it. Oh, I uh, They, they put more, uh, uh, abilities to be able to work within the text to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it, you know, is, is things that I, um, might not use, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, you know, once maybe I, after I retire from the, the job that I'm working at now, uh, I might have more time to be able to invest and in, and in do it, but the the age I am and the technical savvy that I do not have, it probably would frustrate me more than anything else trying to get you know overly acquainted with this thing. So
1: yeah, and I'm I'm still using the uh, just the books, Strong's Concordance, and and I do I do have some different commentaries and things, you know, on uh, but they're all paper based. And every now and then, if I'm really stuck, I'll Google something on <laughs> Google. A, you know, I know the phrase, and I can Google it, and usually brings it up. Mm-hmm.
4: <clears throat> yep, that's a good point. I was going to make mention of it as well. If you don't want to get a Bible program and you are looking for a verse, you can do it from your phone or for, or on a com- computer and just put in what you know, and, and they're pretty good about bringing, bringing it up. Yeah. You, might want to specif- yeah. you might want to specify King James, but— uh, Mm-hmm
2: right
4: yeah. I, and, and I would like to add just so that folks are clear about this um, we're talking about tools for Bible study um, all of us I, I, I think I can speak for all of us they'll correct me if I'm wrong but uh, all of us do still read our Bibles uh, in a book we have Bibles yep. that we hold we mm-hmm. read from the from a Bible book um, so we have not thrown out our Bible books we oh, no. uh, we love them we use them we <laughs> I, I study from I, I, I I'll spread you know, I've got my Bible open as well as uh, using and searching things on the mm-hmm. as well. So it's just another tool. Amen.
1: Hey Amen. I, and I have seen um, folks go to church and they, they bring an iPad at, yep. as, as their Bible. And I guess I'm just, uh, I'm still a product of, uh, you know, paper. <laughs> Something about turning those pages and being able to you know, oh, yeah. write in. And I suppose you can maybe do all that stuff still in an iPad, but you know, I'm always worried about um, like the software, the versions as we were talking about versions change. And I hate to lose all that. Whereas a book in print it's, you know, it's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what day it is or what year it is. Well, or... Sorry, Matt,
3: let me add this too. I don't, I don't want to get off onto this cause I've gotten in trouble with this before where people get mad at me, but I've seen it in teenagers. You know, my, my, ministry is to the kids and uh, I've seen it with not only the teenagers but even younger. I mean six-year-olds, seven-year-olds getting humongous iPhones and their faces are implanted in those things and and they say, oh no, but I'm going to read it, you know, read the Bible while I'm in church on on my phone and we've now made it that you cannot use your phone in church because what happens is they get text messages Mm -hmm. or they'll check their, you know yeah, it's a big distraction and and I made a point, I said, okay, well, you could read your Bible uh, on your phone and go to school and read it on your phone, but what's the difference? So I, I sat two kids down. I had one looking at their phone, one looking at an open Bible. And I said, now, when somebody's walking by, what do you think that person's doing on their phone? And they said, I'll oh, just playing around. And I said, what do you think that person's doing over there holding the Bible? And they said, reading their Bible.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So there's a, there's a big difference, you know, just, just by people looking too.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well that yeah, I've had some people that have done that with their phones and obviously they say that they're looking at their uh you know looking at the Bible on their phone and stuff like that but when you see the 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 flash or the reflection of the flash from the phone on their face or on their glasses and it's moving and it's changing you know darn good well they're not looking yeah. at their Bible <laughs> they're looking at some video or something else you know yeah. and it they can say what they want but it's too much of a temptation to be looking at something else and, and being distracted and stuff and not only distracting them but distracting the preaching and distracting other people around them so uh, i i guess i'm old-fashioned in that way but you know when you see somebody out there on the on using their phone as their bible they you know you have no idea if they're look the bible or not and i just you know, just don't trust them. So, yeah, amen. They, they're probably just distracting other people. They're distracting themselves. They're distracting the the preacher. And uh, you know, it's just you know, I can't tell them what to do. But you know, I suppose I could. But but uh, it's still I'm old fashioned in that way. So,
1: and even not even in church, but even in other places, I know that um, I've. Due to a family illness, I've been in a lot of hospital settings lately, and um, and I know we don't do it to be seen of others, but I just prefer to read in a you know a Bible in a book form versus on a phone or a tablet. Amen. And I know that having that out on more than one occasion, somebody someone has asked me, hey, "What are you reading?" Or you know, mm-hmm. what, what what part or what's going on or and we've i've been able to strike up conversations and witness a little bit just because of that because they're curious <laughs> you know somebody's reading a book there you know and it's it looks like a religious book looks like it might be a bible what is you know and it invariably especially in a hospital setting or folks seem to you know be curious and want to talk and and want to know what you're doing and so it's... it's been good whereas if i was on a phone which 99% of the other people seem to be, you know, who knows what they're doing, playing games or texting or, you know, doing something else. So at the same time, it can, I think it can be a testimony and a witness too, you know. All right. So there's that. And uh, so, Steve, you're, you're bringing us today's topic. And what kind of example are you? Amen. Are you ready?
0: I am ready. All right, guys, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, As uh, Eric has already mentioned, the uh, the title of the uh, podcast uh, this evening is, What Kind of Example Are You? And uh, just to get that started off, let's go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, while you're turning there, and hopefully you are, let's uh, just have a word of prayer before we begin. Father, we come to you. Thanking you and praising you for your goodness and your grace. We're thankful, Lord, for the word of God that you've given us, Lord, that's perfect and without error. And, Lord God, that you give us the privilege of being able to teach from it. Lord, I pray that you'd help me this evening to be able to present your word. I pray that it might have an impact on those that hear. And pray, God, that they might be different than before they listen to this podcast. I Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ might be exalted. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. And for his sake alone, amen. amen. Philippians uh, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to take a look, uh, begin in verse 10. Let, let's say, do it that way. Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, let's read there. <clears throat> that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, the prize. A high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any, excuse me, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for uh, uh, for an ensample. For many walk of whom I, t- I have told you often and now tell you <clears throat> even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame Who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Uh, There's a saying that you've probably heard, and that saying goes No man is an island. And I want you to understand that you are an example to someone. It could be young. It could be old. uh, It could be audible or it could be visual. Uh, Those are probably pretty much common that the way we think of it, somebody sees us doing something and therefore we become an example or or a pattern. Uh, Visually or, or, uh, again, audibly or visually. Uh, Then again, there's also uh, in silence or an absence, uh, you realize that, and I'll put this in a church context, you realize that setting an example when you don't show up for church? Your absence is an example of something. Uh, you, believe it or not, your silence can be an example of something. What you don't say, or maybe what you should say and you don't say, can be an example to someone else that may be looking to you and uh, following you. Uh, The question I have for you is twofold. Who are you following and who is following you? You could put it this way. Who is your example? Who do you look up to? Who do you pattern yourself after? And realize at the same time that you may not realize it, but somebody may be looking at you as an example for their life. Parents know this well. Uh, when they have their children, their kids learn by example. Uh, they learn to talk by listening and imitating our sounds. Uh, often see a mother and a father when they have a, a small infant and they're competing with each other, trying to get the, the child to say mama or dad at first. And they're making the sounds in front of them. And the, and the little one is, is trying to imitate that sound and, and, uh, eventually learn how to talk by imitating or putting those sounds uh, as an example for their own speech pattern. When they get a little bit older, they want to wear the same things that we wear. Uh, I remember my children, when uh, uh, they would uh, get a little bit older and walking around, you know what they would do? They would put on my shoes. And they'd try to walk in my shoes. They would put on my clothes and try to walk with my jacket on or something along that line. And they were trying to imitate what they had already seen. Uh, They act that way. When they uh, get a little bit older than that, I don't know if if it was in print or if it was uh, on some sort of a video of some sort. But I remember this thing where a father is walking uh, in the sand. And uh, he's got a toddler following behind him. And the stride of the father was obviously larger than the child's. But the child was stretching his legs as far as he could stretch because he was trying to match the steps that his father was making in the sand. You see, he wanted to be just like his father. Uh, Another example of this, I don't know if some of you might remember an anti-smoke commercial where a father was, unbeknownst to himself, was sitting there with his young son, probably three or four, and uh, the father sits down in a chair, and the son sits down in the chair next to him. And the father picks up a newspaper, and he puts it up in front of him, and so the young boy picks up some sort of a book, and he puts it up in front of him. And he's looking at his father, and his father takes his right leg, and he puts it over his left. You know how we do that? And the son did that. And then the next scene you see is the father takes a pack of cigarettes, taps one out and he tamps it down and he puts it in his mouth and he takes the lighter and he lights it. And as the father goes out of the room, the young boy, as he was exampled by his father, takes a cigarette out, tamps it down, puts it in his mouth, mouth, and begins to take the lighter and try to light it. And the whole thing was is that what kind of an example are you setting, for your children and the habits that you have can be passed on to your children or those around you. One of the dearest things I think that that uh, happened for me and was mentioned to me by a parent or actually parents of twin boys a number of years ago at another church that I was uh, attending, I used to lead the singing. And uh, was standing up there in front, and in in our church we kind of lead it like the, the the song leader is the choir director, and he's leading the congregation as he would a choir. So I'm raising, you know, doing my arms and in patterns and so forth, so everybody can stay together. And uh, what happened was, is these boys would be there on Sunday night, and they would watch what was taking place. And so when they went home, as as kids do, they imitate what they had seen so they got themselves a cardboard box and they set it up there in the living room when no one else is around and and they set that up there and one of the the boys got up there and he was singing some of the songs they'd learned in Sunday school class and he's waving his arms and he was imitating me and then the other one uh, once that was done and he would go around and sit in front and the other one got up and his Bible up there and he set it down and and uh, you know, he began to mimic the pastor and he was preaching and who knows what he said, but he was preaching something, and uh, they were doing that. And the parents relayed that to me. and that just stuck with me because it it let me know in a, in just a very subtle way that what I do, wherever I go, somebody is watching. And somebody may use me as an example that. Kind of came to even more reality yesterday in church service. Uh, we were singing uh, the song uh, "It Will Be Worth It All," and uh, there's a line there, the last phrase: uh, "The tempter will be banished; we'll lay our burden down." And and just that that part of that song always grips me, and and uh, always means something to me. And just, uh, you know, how we do, sometimes you raise the arm up, you know, and acknowledgement of that truth and, and just uh, acknowledging to the Lord that, that you agree with that and so forth and so on. And my three-year-old grandson is sitting there with my wife, and uh, they're standing and they're watching and they're seeing us sing, And they, and this little grandson takes his hand and just puts it up in the air. Now, he didn't know what he was doing but he was just imitating his grandfather by raising his hand at that moment in the song. You never know who's watching you and when they're watching you. These sports figures, uh, you know, kids idolize them. They've got the posters all over their walls, you know, Michael Jordan, the tongue hanging out and all that kind of stuff. And, and they read every article they can about these guys. They find out what, eat before they, they, uh, they, uh, they uh, have a game, uh, what kind of shorts they wear, what kind of shoes they wear, and they want to be just like these sports figures. And they follow their example. That same thing can be said of any one of us. Uh, we will have an impact on someone's life, whether good or bad. Everyone is an example to someone. Uh, Paul, in in the text that we read here in in Philippians chapter 3, makes a a bold statement. And you might think, well, you know, Paul's just saying this of his own, but realize that the Lord allowed it to be in Scripture, so it has to be a true statement. And he says there in in Philippians chapter 3, and take a look in verse 17, it says, Brethren, followers together of me and mark them, which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Paul was setting himself up, and those that were in his his group that went from city to city and preaching the gospel, he said, we are your examples. We are the ones that you should follow. As we live, you should live. And that's a pretty bold statement. Paul was the example. You want to know how to live as a Christian? You follow Paul. In First Timothy chapter one and verse sixteen, it says this: "Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy." This is Paul speaking. He says, "I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to everlasting life." So Paul, in another another one of his epistles, is confirming the fact that he is the ens- ensample, he is the pattern which we are to pattern our lives after. He instructs others as well to follow and to live as a pattern or an example to those that they are ministering to. In Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2 and verse 7 says this, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uh, uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he which is of a contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Anyone who comes along, Paul is the standard by which we are to judge whether he is a good one to follow or not. That's what he meant there when he said, there, go back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. It says this Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So you are to mark those that walk the way Paul marks. Why is that? Verse 18. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You see, Paul understood that there were many out there that were teaching and preaching that were setting poor examples, bad examples. And so Paul wanted to make sure that the record was straight, that he was the pattern, and he was given that responsibility by the Lord to be the example for the believer and he passed that on to anyone else that would that he sent out like Timothy and Titus he sent them out and told them to follow his example and to uh, pattern that example to other believers now some might say and probably rightly so that Jesus is our example but I want you to understand that there is an area where Jesus is our example, but it's an uncomfortable one. It is very uncomfortable. Take your Bible and turn to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. Now, a lot of times they'll take the the verse out of the context and say, "Well, see, Jesus is our example." Well, it, he is in a certain a certain way, and I'll and I'll you'll understand more what I mean by that. And I'm not demeaning. That Jesus, the way Jesus lived, we shouldn't follow after. But t- I, I, I've got something I think that ought to be interesting to you, if you'll just hang on for just a moment. First Peter chapter two, beginning in verse eighteen: Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy. If a man, for conscience towards God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when he be, uh, be buffeted, if ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently, but if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For e, uh, even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps who uh, do no sin, neither, I'm sorry, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself uh, to him that judgeth righteously, who, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. How is he our example? He's our example in suffering. He's our example in suffering. Even when he did no wrong, he was buffeted and persecuted and put to death and suffered for you and I and the example is is that even if we don't do anything that that you know deserves a wrongful punishment or harsh treatment we're supposed to take it like Jesus Christ took it and not answer again now the thing is is that you ought to look at this and and just consider this if Jesus Christ was God and went through this it kind of gives us a way out, because we could use the excuse that, that Jesus Christ was God, therefore he could do that. He could follow through with that, and we're human, and therefore you know we're not God, and therefore we can't do what Jesus Christ did. I believe God directed Paul to be the example because he's human. And that admonition to follow his pattern, to follow his example, we can't. We, don't have the same excuse that that we had if if we tried to use Jesus Christ as that excuse because he's God. Paul wasn't God. He's a man just like you and I. And so therefore, Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. And Paul is the standard. He is the pattern for us to follow. Now, go back to Titus. Titus chapter 2. We read this verse once. And I'm going to take a look at it again, and we're going to put it in conjunction with another verse. Titus chapter two and verse seven it says this in all things show thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech, that cannot be condemned, that he which is of a contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Now, again, this is an admonition that's given to Titus. A similar one is given to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit in faith, in purity. Now, Paul is telling his young disciples to teach these things to the Christians and the churches that, they, that he sent them to, uh, but not only to teach them, but also to live them in front of everyone. I, I don't know if you realize it, but this is your life. You don't have one life that you live in front of people and then another life in, in private. You ought to be the same in your home as you are at work. You ought to be the same in your home and at work that you are uh, in your church. You shouldn't put on the dog at church, you know, and act real super pious and and holy and so forth, and then you go to work and nobody knew you were a Christian if, if they were to look at you or to listen to you. You're supposed to live the same way no matter where you are. Paul said it this way, and probably a verse that many of you are familiar with. He said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. They were to be, uh, uh, Titus and Timothy were to be examples just as Paul was their example, and as he is our example. Question I have for you, how are you doing? What kind of example are? are you giving to others? And let me add this. Who are you using as an example for your life? I was uh, looking at these two verses, and uh, there are several that are, uh, I guess you could say synonyms. uh, They don't say the same same words in there, but they reflect the same idea or thought and uh, I think you'll see what I'm talking about when we get into these things. But there's there's a match in there with one exception, and that's kind of the wild card, and we'll get to that at the end. Uh, in comparing these two verses, you have in one it says in word that there would be to be an example in word, and the other verse says sound speech. And the question I have, has the way you talked changed since you became a Christian? Has it changed? It ought to change. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8, says it says this, but now he also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. You know, if there's not a change, then you're not showing the work of the Lord and the Holy Spirit of God in your life because when you get saved, some of those old habits, those the words that come out of your mouth should change, and you should be able to get rid of them. You realize, you know, some of the other things that are mentioned here—the the anger, the wrath, the malice—you realize that your anger, if you let that get the best of you, will affect the way you talk. Hatred for others that you're supposed to get rid of as a new Christian uh, will affect the way you talk. You know, they'll start sounding things like you want to get revenge. Uh, for for something that somebody's done uh, to you, and that's wrong, you know the blasphemy that used to come out of your mouth it needs to change. The dirty talk that you used to have with the dirty jokes and all that kind of stuff that needs to change. The four letter words, the cursing, and all that kind of stuff that needs to change. Uh, the off color jokes, you know the the not so dirty jokes, but they're they're kind of the 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 uh, you know. Off-color jokes. I guess that's the best way I could put it. There's probably another term for it that's not coming to mind right now, but those jokes that just are lead to a wrong place. You know, they may not be dirty outwardly and overtly, but but they still lead to the wrong place. Even those need to change. Hearing you, would someone think that that's the way a Christian should talk? You know, there's another thing. You know. That, Again, I, I made mention of it earlier, but people come into church and they just have this super pious uh, religious talk that's just fake and syrupy. You know, that's that's just as bad as some of the other stuff. I mean, you know, they just put on the dog. I, you know, I, I go down to City Mission and I go to another place called Charity and I preach down there and and you know they come up afterwards and and they're they're just they they have this syrupy drippy talk you know and and then w- when we're getting ready to leave when we go through the the uh uh lobby there if you will uh, the you know the t v room And we walk there and you hear that same person that was just talking real syrupy and they're spouting off four-letter words and stuff. It's just a show. It's just fake. They're one way in front of a preacher or in a church, and they're another way when they're out away from that scenario. And it's just fake. It's syrupy. Hearing you, would someone learn how to pray? I mean, you know there are a lot of people out there, even Christians that have been saved for a number of years, that just say prayers, and they're not really praying. You know, would somebody hearing you realize that, man, that guy's talking to God, and then not just saying prayers? I, I and even beyond, you know the you know the Our Father or the Hail Mary, and you know people just say those prayers and they just you know clip them off just real fast. But I'm talking about Christians that pray the same way every time they are asked to pray. I mean, you know, there ought to be some heart in the prayer. Would somebody learn how to pray effectively if they listen to you pray? Would somebody learn how to witness to the lost if they heard you? I mean, has the way you talk, your word, the sound speech that you have, uh, would, would it, would it be able to be a good example for someone? Would they know how to give praise and thanksgiving to God by listening to you? You know, let me let me extend that a little bit further, and it, this might bridge into some of the other categories here. But but uh, let me ask you this: uh, how, how would somebody learn to sing by listening to you sing? And what I mean by that, I, I'm not talking about the notes and so forth. But I mean, would they hear you sing with fervency and with passion and with desire the words of the hymns that you sing on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night? Uh, do the words reach you? Or do you just sing because you want to be heard of men? Now, there are many a Christian out there that has a good voice, and all they want people to do is hear how good they sound instead of delivering the message of the, of the, of the words of the song. They're uh, there they are just so that they might be heard of men. Would somebody learn how to sing, uh, you know, like a Christian ought to sing in church and be fully engaged and participating there in the church? Or would you just kind of mouth the words and, and not really let anything come out of your mouth? They, don't, they really can't even hear you. What kind of an example are you? You know, sometimes you get on, uh, you you see some Christian TV and so forth and they've got some good places on there. They're not, they're not all bad, but you know how they'll pan around into the uh, congregation, you know, and, and show people when they're singing and stuff. And you got people that have the real tight lips, you know, and they're barely moving, you know, they're not getting much sound out of there when they're singing like that. And, you know, they're just not being an example. Maybe they don't have the great voice. That doesn't matter. You know what the Lord says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all lands. So how is your speech? Secondly, it says in one, it says in conversation. There'd be example in conversation, and the other verse says in good works. Uh, If you know anything about your Bible, that word conversation doesn't always mean just how you, what you say, but it's your manner of life, how you live. And that's how Paul uses it in several times in in his epistles. Most people here at one time, uh, you know, in the sound of my voice in this podcast, uh, many of you were counting on your good works to get you to heaven. That's your conversation, your manner of life. Now that you're saved, uh, even if you've uh, been in your Bible or have heard some good sound preaching, there ought to be some good works in your life. You ought to try to live for God now that you're saved. Uh, and, uh, you know, you ought to be what God wants you to be. Do you realize that there is a higher standard now that you're saved? There's a there's a higher standard than what you even imagined that you were trying to work towards before you were saved. Uh, you know, some people, you know, say, well, you know, I've done all right. You know, I've quit drinking. I've quit smoking. I've quit shacking up, you know. Uh, uh, I quit the drugs, you know. I've done that, you know. But the standard, like I said, in the New Testament is a lot higher. You realize in the Old Testament it says thou shalt not commit adultery. Do you remember what Jesus said? That if a man looked upon a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's committed adultery with her already in his heart. You see, it's a higher standard. Back in Colossians chapter 3, where we were before, Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, it says this, This was mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we should treat it as such, like a holy temple. We should consider it holy and not defile it. Uh, most of you probably know this verse. You probably know where I was going before I even started here. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it says this. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are an example of what a Christian should live like, and we ought to live that way. You know, I know as well as anyone else that, you know, if you dwell on that, on that perfection, if you will, of trying not to sin every every second of the day, that it can be somewhat discouraging, and some people might even uh, contemplate giving up. But I think the Lord understands. The Bible says that He knows that we're but flesh, that we're but dust. He understands that. He knows that that probably that idea of perfection, uh, as far as sinlessness is concerned, is probably not going to happen. I know it hasn't happened for me. And it probably will not happen in the future, but you know what? I think the Lord is looking for. I think the Lord is looking for effort. I think the Lord is looking for intent, for in, for desire. Do you want to please Him? Do you want to please Him to the point where where some of the things that so easily beset you, you you strive and try and not to give in to it? I think the that's what the Lord's looking for. You mess up, and you obviously we have First uh, John one nine uh, that that uh, allows us to be able to regain that fellowship with Him. But we ought to be trying and striving not to displease the Lord. Why? Because our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And why again? You know why? Because people are watching you. You are leaving an example to someone. Number three. Spirit, it says in one verse, and gravity says in another. I think these speak to your attitude. You know, we ought to go to uh, Winnie the Pooh for some great example of of this, of the right kind of spirit. Who would you uh, say was the the one in Winnie the Pooh that, that saw the glass as being half empty? Of course, it's Eeyore. You are always, oh, woe is me. Life is such a drag. Everything is happening. Everything is terrible. One trouble after another. and I just don't understand why God's doing this to me. You know, the half-empty crow. Now, in Winnie the Pooh, who was the half-full guy? That was Tigger. <laughs> he was just up, and up and bouncing around and everything. Now, I don't expect you to be Tigger. You know, know, there might be some people out there that are just bouncing around and just joyful all the time and all this kind of stuff. And to me, that's just not reality. You know, there are times when we get sorrowful. There's times when we have heartache. There's times when we face some serious things in our lives and so forth. And we can be some and serious. But we see it through the eyes of there is an end. And we have this attitude that that there is coming a day when all of our troubles and all of our sorrows are going to be over, and we're going to be with the Lord, and it's just going to be wonderful. Enjoy it when we finally get to be with Him, and we see things through that prism instead of seeing things through the negative prism. You know, I get accused sometimes of having a sorrow face, and and you know, the, the part of that I'm, I have to confess is genetic. <laughs> my grandfather my grandfather's father and my dad are just have this serious demeanor about their face but if you get around me much you know that that there's more than just that somber look sometimes i mean uh, i love life i love to laugh uh, you know these guys i'm on this podcast with uh, we laugh all the time and we joke around and we kid each other and and uh, we enjoy life and i enjoy the lord and i can rejoice and again, I say rejoice uh, with the best of them. And I love to be alive and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But what kind of example are we if we're walking around like you are all the time? I know that the church is in apostasy, and, and a lot of people can just look at that in such a negative way. And, and uh, you know, we're living in apostasy now. What There's no hope. But there is hope. We have the blessed hope. Uh, that could happen at any time, and we need to to live as if that is an expectancy. It it could happen the moment I get done saying this last word. It could just happen in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And we want to live with a joy and rejoicing in anticipation of that day. How do you know? This is something I, I'd like for you to consider. How do we as Christians face trouble? How do we as Christians face defeat? How do we as Christians face disappointment? How do we as Christians face heartache? Pastor Strobel at the beginning of this podcast uh, mentioned something that was uh, very tragic. Uh, Brother Huber passed away suddenly. He was with his wife. They'd just come off of a run. And uh, they were walking those last few steps, I guess, getting close to the home and uh, had, a, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, an aneurysm and, and collapsed. And I think he was uh, pronounced dead in the in the ambulance on the to the hospital. Now, the thing that's, that happened around four o'clock in the afternoon. That was on a Wednesday. The thing that, that I want to draw your attention to and this is I heard this I wasn't there to see it but I heard this as the testimony that his wife and his four children mere hours after that tragedy took place were there in the church meeting the church members as they came in with hugs and tears and just setting forth an example that I could only hope and pray by the grace of God that that be me if should this ever happen In my life, I mean, what a testimony to be there hours after the passing of her husband and their father and be standing there in the lobby and greeting people as they come in. That's the right kind of attitude about this life that we live as Christians. The next thing I want to draw to your attention, number four, is faith and doctrine. What do you believe? Are you tossed about with every wind of doctrine? I mean, you go to the TV or to the radio and you hear one guy say something this time and, and you believe in that. And then some guy comes on uh, another time and he says something a little bit different. And so now you're following him. You know, what do you believe? Are you Are you tossed about? I want you to understand there are many a preacher out there that is out there trying to get a following. They're trying to get a following. Who is your example? Who is your example? Paul is our example for our lifestyle, but Paul is also our example for our doctrine. I want you to understand that Paul never lived lavishly. He never preached the uh, prosperity gospel. He didn't have spinning rims on his gold leaf chariot. Paul never took advantage of people. Paul never preached a hateful message. He preached hard. He preached strong. He preached boldly, but he never preached a hateful message. Paul never lorded it over the people. Paul never, uh, uh, con- he, 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 you know something about Paul? He, he said, condescend to men of low estate. He didn't preach to the highbrow crowd. He preached to everybody. Uh, he didn't, uh, you know, put the, the the lower class people down below, you know, and just uh, you guys can go sit in the in the lobby or something like that. You know, Paul said he condescended to men of low estate. You know, he never put a guilt trip on people to give. That's something you ought to think about. The Bible says this, uh, quoting Paul, it says, Every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now, Paul d- told them what uh, what God said and so forth, and we're supposed to preach what the book says, but as far as putting guilt trips on people, <laughs> Paul never did that. He says, you, you have an idea of what God would have you to do, and then you give it with a cheerful heart. Paul never preached, Live as you please. He always preached righteous to live righteously. What you believe matters to those around you. You are an example. And again, I want to reiterate: who is following your example, and who are you following as your example? Number five: purity and sincerity. Living honestly before people no cheating no making yourself out to be somebody that you're not again I draw your attention back to you know go down to City Mission been going down to City Mission for probably over 25 years and the number of times that we've gone down there to minister and we get somebody that comes up and hears our message and, and all of a sudden they come up and they're going to tell us uh, how the right way is and, and you've got it all wrong and they've got it all right and, and so forth. And they, they come up with this super pious uh, talk of, of, of being super religious and the prime example of what a Christian should be. And they're in the place that they're in. And then they're in the the TV room and talking the way they talk. You know, it doesn't match what they are. They're not living in purity. They're not living in sincerity. They're not being honest with people. We need to live clean. We need to live above reproach. You know, and that goes to a lot of things. The, the, The where you work. You know, you know yourself. If you're trying to live as a Christian at a workplace, you know those people are looking at you with a microscope, and they're going to try to find everything that you do, and find some excuse to justify themselves at your expense, so that they don't have to 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 trust the Lord Jesus Christ because well, I I do better than Steve. You know, maybe I, I work faster than Steve, or I do a better job than Steve. You know, and, and they're going to going to nitpick at every little thing to try to make themselves to be better than you. And they're going to point out your flaws, and they're going to point out the inconsistencies in your Christian walk. And you need to live above reproach, at least attempt it the best way that you can. Now, those are all the ones that are similar in each one. there's one wild card here, and that's charity. Charity. How you react with people. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of playing in my speech, and I, I like to think of charity as love with feet to it. It's not the emotions. It's not just words. It's the actions that you put behind the affection that you are extending to people. Do you treat people differently because of who or what they are? are you compassionate do you love the unlovable you know that can be really hard to love the unlovable because they may come across in a brash and bold manner that uh, just kind of turns you off maybe their character is not the same as you would expect a christian to be do you love the unlovable maybe they don't don't, don't dress the way that they should do you love the unlovable is every soul Precious to you? Is every soul precious to you? Or do you only go and and try to reach the ones that you deem worthy? You know, Jesus Christ died for all men. He died for the homosexual. He died for the transgender. Uh, He died for the homeless guy in the shelter. He died for all of them. Do you only witness to the ones you deem as, as being worthy? Now, you, let me sum it up with this way. You are an example to someone. And you need to take stock in what you're doing and and remember that there are people that are watching you. You know, that's a good motivation for you to live the right kind of way, just Perchance that somebody's going to see you doing something and you don't be the one that's giving the bad example. Someone is watching you and you are watching someone else. I hope and pray by the grace of God that you are following Paul. As he gave example and, and instruction to Timothy and to Titus, I hope that you're following those examples. And that you are pattering that, pattering that, I never could say that word, exampling, there we go, <laughs> exampling that in front of others so that they see the right way a Christian should live. The Christian life is 24-7. It's not something that you put on and put off. What kind of an example are you? Guys, appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Steve. That was uh, excellent. You know, and it's a a balanced approach is what you gave too. You know, you're not calling calling us to act like uh, you know with this false piety. You know that we that we wander around with, uh, or people think we should wander around with. So I Mm -hmm. I like the way you gave both sides of that. You know, let's let's be realistic and and be true to who we are supposed to be. Not just some of the time, but you know, it all the time, and it's it's a good check. It calls in to check for me too to think about. Mm, I need to examine myself. Am I am I in fact doing that? You know, all the time, as often as I should be, and and um, you know, I know sometimes I'm not, and so I need to make some changes. And y- even trying, I can look back and think, well, I could have handled that differently. You know, yeah, amen. That probably wasn't the best example of a Christian, right there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I like to—I like to be able to do that before it happens, you know, in the future. Yeah, amen. Now, what do you—what th- do you say to the folks, Steve, that where they say, "Well, you know, as Christians, we have liberty. Um, you know, we're—what do, what do we have to worry about that for?"
0: Well, the Bible says, "Use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people are looking for an excuse. And they use liberty as an excuse to be able to, to do, uh, have wrong behavior, uh, live on the uh, just on the outside of where they should be, and uh, you know just on the outside of wrong, mm-hmm. just kind of hedging that that that, that uh, barrier there, and uh, because they have in their heart, their attitude towards things is is in the wrong place. And uh, they ought to be doing it because they want to please the Lord, and first of all. And number two, because they want to set the right example. And so uh, they're using that liberty for an occasion to the flesh so that they can do what they want instead of what God wants them to do. Amen. Amen. It's good stuff. I, I would like to say to anybody that
4: perhaps thought this lesson was too rough, um, you should know that Pastor Steve taught this to men in prison. I, I heard him teach it. And he put it on them just as strong. And they didn't balk at it either. Uh, it's just solid Bible stuff. Amen. amen. I think the, the importance of being a good example in in a lot of respects is that if you're not, people are going to use that as an excuse to dismiss the the legitimacy of your message or what you're saying. Amen. Uh, in the, you know, in the Bible, David he learned this the hard way uh, after he'd sin with Bathsheba. He was confronted by Nathan the prophet, and Nathan said that David had given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. So they would take that and use it to drag the Lord's name through the mud. And and I think that probably goes along with that verse that says in the New Testament, um, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Because we belong to him, of course we should, but also... Because we name his name and other people see we belong to him, we we need to be setting that uh, good example. And uh, just a, uh, if I could also mention this, the verse, Pastor Steve, the main verse he started with was Philippians 3.17, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. An and I want to point out that word ensample. And sometimes the Bible uses "example," sometimes ensample. And when I see ensample, I'm, I'm reminded of that, the root of that, that word sample. And what we're to do is we're to provide the world with a sample of what a good Christian is like. Yes. Um, a couple of places that go along with this, 1 uh, Thessalonians 1, 6 and 7 says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were and samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Yes. Paul Told those Thessalonians that what they did essentially is they provided a living sample to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia of, of how to have joy and affliction as they received the word of God and then um, finally uh, Peter he charged the pastors the elders there 1 Peter chapter 5 he said to them he said neither is being lords over God's heritage but being in samples to the flock and so yes. a pastor a preacher a Sunday school teacher uh, really, along with anybody that professes to be a Christian and speaks up about the Lord, uh, we should do more than just speak it, but uh, but live it and provide them with mm-hmm. that uh, and sample. Um, mm-hmm. It's been said that people more attention pay to what you do than what you say. Mm-hmm. The fact is they pay attention to both, but like somebody else said, uh, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks so loud I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Amen.
3: Amen. Yeah, I, I uh I got a little convicted, because uh, when I wake up sometimes I'm like Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the
3: first time I wake up and I
2: like,
3: me yeah. <laughs> and everything's half filled or half full until I uh get get uh, either in the shower or I get my first cup of coffee or something like that, get my get my blood going. But uh amen, it was a good study and uh, I just like to add with uh, with that as well. I mean, what uh, Pat trouble said. You know, the other saying too, which goes right along with that, is your actions speak louder than words. And mm-hmm. and you know, I've seen that in my own life, and I've seen people say things to me and say, "Well, but I saw you do this," and I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" You know. And and uh, I remember when I was working my full time job, I was an X-ray tech for 12 years, and and um, I was working at this one place in Syracuse, New York, for seven years. And, um, I didn't even know, I didn't even talk to this one person. They were on the whole totally, uh, I think they were on the second floor. I was on the first floor, I hardly ever saw the, the person. And one time they came to me and said, would you pray for me? Cause I know you're, I know you're a Christian. I know you read your Bible and all that at work. And I had never even really noticed them walk by, noticed me or anything, but somehow they knew that I was a Christian. And, and that just shows you that, uh, you don't even have to say things to people. They, they look at your actions a lot of times too. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, um, what do they call that? The evangelism where it's, uh, you know, buy your life and a lifestyle of evangelism. I'm not talking about that. But, but uh, I remember, too, and I was witnessing some people at the work there, um, they said, well, you know, this person over here says he's a Christian, too. And we've seen him act with you totally different than when he acts with us. And so I've actually seen him try and witness to those same people. And they come to me and they say, listen, uh, we can't listen to him. He he drinks just with us. He talks just like us with swearing and everything like that. But at the same time, he's trying to get us saved and, and all that. And I said, well, that's crazy, you know. So it's amazing how the lost world knows what God tells us to do, you know, is to, is to live a, a life, just be holy as I am holy. And uh, so, yeah, you're you're an example. And, and, you know, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Amen. And uh, you can you can preach you can preach and have the best sermon in the world. You can preach and win every argument with somebody and give them scripture for everything they go against. But uh, if your life is not going along with the word of God, it's not going to have the power of God, the Holy Spirit behind it, because you're you're living as a castaway to not only to them but really to get at it the same way because you're not uh, in fellowship with him Amen.
1: Amen. and you never know who's watching you know like you said the yeah. i was in another situation too where a small group of us at this um company i worked for is actually before i got into uh, became a school counselor we had a bible study and very small and Shortly after um, we had started that study and and it had been going for a while, someone came to see me from a from a different office. <laughs> that I, and I'd seen the person before, but really had not talked to them. But he came to ask me a question about the Bible and some spiritual issues that they had questions on. So you know, unbeknownst to me, they were checking you know me out, seeing who I was and what I was doing, what I was saying, and. So I think we're an example all the time, for good or for bad. I don't Amen. think there's, I don't think there's any like in between. People are watching us, and um, you know we may not even be well aware of it. So something to think about. And thanks again, Steve, for bringing that.
0: Amen. Well, you know, there's another side of that, and and we are examples and so forth. But I guess the thing that I'd like to uh, just bring up again is that. You know, many of us are following somebody else, uh, and we are using somebody else as an example for our lives, whether it was a, a Bible teacher or or someone that is uh, providing an example for us. And, and unfortunately, with the Internet and all the things, as much as we are even using that vehicle for what we're doing here, there are so many out there that are setting bad examples and, and teaching Bad doctrine, and there are a lot of people that are following this bad doctrine and and following a bad example. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you have to be just as as careful of who you follow as as much as you know realizing that somebody is following you. And um, like I said in the in the lesson, there are many a teacher out there looking for following. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, there, as the Bible says, uh, probably not going to quote it exactly. You know, silly women laden with sins, or, are, are, you know, going around, you know, having their ears tickled and so forth and so on, and and moving from uh, bad doctrine to bad doctrine, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's just a a thing that that's characterized by what we see today. Uh, you know, I have a Bible study sometimes, and and some of the things that I have to answer are are a direct result of them hearing. You know, some bad doctrine off of the television or off the Internet or, or something along, along that line. And and so, you know, it, it's it's something that they need to be really careful and cautious of, of who they're following. Uh, they're getting their doctrine from and their lifestyle from.
1: Amen. Well, thanks, guys, for joining again. And I do appreciate it. know you all have busy schedules and taking your time out to continue to do this podcast on a semi-regular basis. I, it's much appreciated. Amen. So let's see, who's up next? I think you are. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I thought I only do it once a year.
2: Well, you or, or
1: if that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what I can come, let's see what the Lord gives me. To, to, I, I, I have been tossing around a few things. I've tried to get Pastor Strobel to, to do one, but uh, he obviously hasn't had the liberty yet to do it, so I may have to take a stab at it. <laughs> oh. So, oh. We're in trouble <laughs> now.
4: <huh? laughs> Another subject. It's good, good subject to deal with. Yeah, amen.
1: All right, guys. Well, thanks again. And um, anything else for the good of the cause?
4: Stay in the book and on your knees.
1: Amen. amen. All right. Lord willing, we'll see you next time
2: telling this world goodbye, homeward we then will fly, glory to share. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will, many will meet, meet their doom, trumpets, will, trumpets sound. will surely sound, all of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies, Where no one dies Heavenward bound Jesus is coming soon Morning or night or noon Many will will meet their doom Trumpets will will surely sound All of the dead shall rise Righteous be in the skies Going where no one dies Heavenward bound
1: This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at That's dot com or email us at That's in the Bible at Gmail dot com or call our listener feedback voicemail at seven one six five eight four sixteen eleven. Again, that's seven one six five eight four one six one one. As always, thanks for listening and press on. I don't know why I did two applauses, but (laughs) but I
2: did. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man.